<laughs> What'd you say? Like a high-pitched Ringo star. <laughs> At least some of us do have personality in our voices. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Joel version 2.0 over there. <laughs> Welcome to Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. This week we've got another good show lined up for you as we put on the 2019 horror movie Doctor Sleep on Trial. Is it Doctor Who or is it Doctor Strange? Uh, I think, but they both sound bad if you were called Doctor Who. If you don't think about the sci-fi show, Doctor Who, if you were called Doctor Who, like who? What, what's going on? Uh, okay. I'll, I'll change it. Hang on. Is it Doctor <laughs> Gregory House or is it Doctor Drake Ramore? <laughs> Which I one like of them is the bad one? your problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say like, Doctor House is like world-renowned, isn't he? And he's very good at his job, whereas Doctor That's Drake true. Ramore is maybe a bit oh, of a running sorry. joke. Also well renowned, but for other yeah, reasons. but like if if you had a, a very rare illness, who would you want looking at it, Doctor House or Doctor I mean, Drake? A, a real doctor, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah neither, neither. <laughs> I'll take Doctor Meredith Grey. I think she's real. <laughs> okay, well, essentially, we're just going to try and find out if Doctor Sleep should be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Thor which I judged and deemed that should be placed on the hit list. Now, I've since gone away and I've watched it, so did I make the right call? Um, it was a difficult one, to be honest. I mean, I've made a couple of uh, decisions recently where I put films on the hit list, and I've thought, oh, have I made the right call then? I've gone back and I've watched it and gone, right away I've been like, yeah, that was the right call, I think, or like, I believe I made the right call. Watching Thor, I was a bit like, hmm, I can see what the prosecution was talking about. I think at the end, I do think that Dave was, was onto something in it. I think there is a very important foundation block for the MCU and wider. And I do think there's a lot of good character development for Thor when you think about, you know, where he is now. But there was a lot of missed opportunities there, I think. So I think I've just about made the right call. I think it's more hit than it is shit. But like yeah. the, the prosecution there's definitely quite a lot shoot. of shit. Oh, there was a lot <laughs> yeah. of, there was, Alex made a fair point. I think the, the later Marvel films that it set up, it both, they both condemn it and yet yeah, redeem it yeah, yeah. at the same time, you know. But that's the first time I've watched it since it came out. And obviously we've seen Thor in so many other films since then, especially in the two like Endgame and Infinity War and Ragnarok, where he's just a completely different character. He's just so funny and lighthearted. And and watching this back, it is like it's just a completely different character. But, you know, it goes to show that there has been so much development over, like, what, five, six, seven films or whatever. You see, so. you see the moment, like, the best line in that film is when he goes into the pet store and says, you know, give me a dog or anything that I can ride. And that's like, oh, that is a good line that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, no, hey, that's it. <laughs> on it <laughs> I was just about to delete that as well from the pad <laughs> very relevant and very apt well done Ozzy yeah. <laughs> um, okay well thank you very much for that guys now on to the trial all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random once again so acting as defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me I'm a little bit like Stephen King's It a pasty, odd-looking figure who is frightening to kids 
and has spent way too much time around sewers recently. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. Like, honestly, the amount of time and money I've spent trying to fix my drains recently, it's been absolutely terrible. Anyway. Um, balloons. Both metaphorically and literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, acting as prosecutor trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Dave and Ozzy. Dave is just like the central character from Stephen King's Carrie. Quiet and compassionate, but mercilessly bullied by his peers. But he'll take his bloody revenge one day. <laughs> and Ozzy is just like the eponymous character in Christine. Stylish, flamboyant, and murderous. And let's face it, he lets anybody get inside of him. <laughs> now, just what? <laughs> Come on, pull yourselves together. Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though. So do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their real thoughts, which means this week Alex has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. And Alex is a little bit like Jack Torrance in Stephen King's The Shining. He just wants to relax during this lockdown, get some heavy drinking and maybe a bit of writing done, but he has a responsibility to look after some bastard kids. <laughs> Not my words. Not my words. <laughs> Disclaimer. Sorry, sorry. I, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here. Sorry, guys. Paraphrasing. Yeah. <laughs> when I asked Alex before, how was your day-to-day? And he said, fine. That's what I read. <laughs> anyway, Alex must decide which list the film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion now before we get started i think we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about so let us spin the wheel of impressions I don't know why you would need a coyote on a farm, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it's landed, as you can see there, on Captain Dave. So, okay. uh, Dave. Yeah, so here what we do is we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. Um, so how would we like Dave to read the synopsis? Um, um, it's, uh, maybe uh, Jack Nicholson's uh, um, Jack Torrance. Jack Torrance. Yeah, to be honest, there's not much or really... Scatman Crothers. <laughs> I think I'm going to take Nicholson uh, <laughs> on that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, don't get me wrong, I'd probably do a better Scatman Crothers, but also... Okay, so Jack Nicholson. So ha- get, help me out. What does Jack Nicholson sound like? It's going to... It's the crazy. Yeah. I'm not going to hurt I'm you. I'm not going to hurt I'm you. Just I'm just going to bash your brains. <laughs> it's your old pal, Jack. It's like... Years following the events of The Shining, 1980, a now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Very nice. (laughs) Well done, Dave. I think that was good. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Let's see what Jack thinks. I was going to say, yeah, we're going to mail this to Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Go, I mean, come on, you've essentially retired. You've got nothing else to do. Judge our impression of you. Um, okay, yeah, well, without further hesitation, uh, passing on to Alex. Right, okay. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be straight up about this, okay, defence and prosecution. I haven't, I've never seen Doctor Sleep, but I, I have read the know. book. Say again. 
But you've watched it since. Oh, you're the judge. No, I've, I'm a judge. I like, I'm a judge. I'm going to be straight, straight up on a prosecution. <laughs> haven't watched the film. <laughs> anyway, let, let's get going. You're, you're not me. <laughs> <laughs> Just being straight, straight up and, and honest about it. No, I've, uh, I, I'm the judge and I've never seen the film, but I have read the book. And I'll be honest, just so you know where you all stand, I, I have wanted to watch the film. I've never quite got around to it, but I have been interested in it. So your role is basically is, Gav, why should I stay interested and, you know, build up that bonfire? And Dave and Ozzy, I want you to just piss all over that bonfire. After Gav <laughs> I'm ready. That's, okay, good. I can see. Right, uh, Gav, uh, give me a quick, just a bit, bit, flesh out that synopsis. Just tell me a little bit around what's going on in it. And then, uh, and yeah, just, uh, just, Tell me, you know, what, why should I be excited about watching this? Okay, well, I'll expand on the, the synopsis a little bit. Uh, as Dave mentioned before, the film picks up many years after the events of The Shining and finds Danny Torrance, who has been drifting for decades, tormented by the events of the Overlook Hotel. Uh, I thought you were putting your hand up there to contest something, Dave. I was <laughs> yeah, like, no, no, no. That was very quick. <laughs> no, no. That is not I was going to allow it as well. I was like, let's I was get like, this going. Have I, 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 I watched the wrong film? <laughs> so this is where I'm like, no way. I watched Dr. T and the women. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so... Yeah, he has finally settled down in a community. Uh, he's attending regular AA meetings and he has a job at a nursing home where he was, he's using his shining powers for good to help put patients at ease in their final moments. He's even given the moniker Dr. Sleep. He forms a close relationship with a remarkable tween called Abra Stone who has the brightest shining ability that he has ever seen and all seems well and good. However... He finds out, as Dave mentioned, there is a gang called the True Knot, who are a band of traveling oddities who feed off people's shining abilities to keep themselves young and sort of quasi-immortal. Now, they are being drawn to Abra because of her abilities, and so Danny must face his demons and the Overlook Hotel one more time as he helps battle to save Abra's soul. Now, I'd say the biggest selling point for this film is that it's directed by Mike Flanagan, who I think is one of the best horror directors working today. He's responsible for Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Blind Manor. He's done loads of great work like Hush and Oculus and many, many more. He's also got previous experience adapting Stephen King works because he did a great job of directing uh, Gerald's Game, which if you've ever read that, when I read it, I was like, how could you even make this into a film? Mm. And he did a fantastic job with that. And here he's given the unenviable task of making a film that is part adaptation of the book in which it's based on, part sequel to the Stephen King original novel, and also part sequel to the Stanley Kubrick directed original film. And, you know, it sounds like it would be a really difficult task to do, but God, he absolutely smashes it out of the park. Now, it's no secret that Stephen King has absolute disdain for the original Kubrick version. So getting this film to be made in the first place took a hell of a lot of negotiations. But Flanagan stated that fans would be more familiar with the Kubrick originals, so they couldn't distance themselves from that. So he shared his scripts and his ideas with, with King. And after showing him his vision of, you know, how he's going to bring the film and the novel together, King said, you know, you've got to do this. This sounds brilliant. And he signed off the film there and then. You know, he did a fantastic job and I would love to hear what Dave and Ozzy have got to say about it. Well, I mean, as as we all know, Stephen King's judgment is... Uh, <laughs> is uh, Leave the poor uh, man when it comes alone. to film adaptations of, of a Stephen King novel are, uh, you know, uh, 
on, on the lower half what, of what is wrong with the original <laughs> pet cemetery apart from everything <laughs> that you said about pet cemetery I, Gab you just you just took yourself down a lot I mean <laughs> you did a good say, job I'd... there and don't don't do that to yourself the performance see, of Dale I... Midkiff in that film <laughs> is Oscar worthy I did see a review of, of this which said Mike Flanagan sabotages Kubrick King as always sabotages himself <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so go on, Aussie. Uh, you know, no, Gav, that's all I wanted to say. Oh, is that all you wanted to say? That's Gav's a starting argument: is that Stephen King signed off on this. That there's, it's not, it's not a solid foundation to base a, um, a defense of this film on. Well, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slightly disagree with that. It did stoke the flames a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah. Mike Flanagan, you know, Haunting of Hill House, Gerald's Game. That sounds like, you know, he knows what he's doing, and uh, you know, it, it is a, it is a hard task basically to go into like a really big author like Stephen King and basically say like yeah but your one was shit <laughs> <laughs> so we're not do you know what I mean like we're not uh, to be, gonna to be honest as it. I understand that's pretty much how that conversation went he was, he was pretty honest with Stephen King because he was like oh you could like adapt my mini series that I did and he was like no one knows it and those that know it don't like it that is <laughs> awkward to have with someone who's like a best selling like a, a ridiculously best selling author yeah. but anyway Dave um, yeah. I, I mean that, that that seems to you know the, the the story sounds interesting. I'm quite interested to see how like the death part of it is done. You know, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that that must be quite hard to do in a film. You know, the fact that he's helping people to essentially die that's quite mm. a, a dark part of the film. So I'd be interested to know how he does that. But I mean, on paper, that all sounds like a pretty good direction and pretty good. It's gonna it's gonna be a good adaptation of the book. Yeah, well, I, I like Mike Flanagan. I really do. I think, as Gav says, he's got a, a great back catalogue of work behind him. He's a very good horror director. The thing is, this project was problematic from the very word go. Not only is he trying to adapt Stephen King, which, as Ozzy says, is of, of itself quite a difficult task sometimes. You know, not many can get away with it. He's also trying to basically pro- provide a sequel to a Kubrick film. That was the challenge that he set himself at the end of the day. There were other ways around it. He could have just written off The Shining and adapted the book Doctor Sleep because as you know Stephen King didn't like the original film one of the reasons he didn't was because it it diverged so heavily from the book you've read The Shining as well as Doctor Sleep I presume yeah Yeah. so you'll know that the storyline does start that there comes a fork in the road where the film goes one way and the book goes another this causes problems you've got things like um uh Dick Halloran who's Scatman Crothers character is killed in the film he's not killed in the book, in the less, book, the sorry, I was going to say less of a fork in the road, more of an axe in the chest. More of an axe in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> quite true, quite true. That comes to a screeching halt. But in the book, also the overlook is burned down at the end. At the end of the film, Jack Torrance lights the he overloads the boiler and incinerates the Overlook Hotel and himself. Uh, that the is, overlook's still standing at the end of the Kubrick film, and it's still standing now. This is what I was wondering because he's a bit more yeah. of a hero, isn't he, Jack Torrance in the book? Like he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not a hero, but he's less of a out and out shit. Isn't when he? I read it, he just it, it seemed to me like he just had a moment of lucidity. You know, he was a more rounded character. That's what Stephen King didn't like about John Nixon's portrayal. He said, "No, this guy is there's no redeemable feature. He's not a real person. You know, that he's he's not enough grey." Because he was on, on he was on edge right from the beginning. Like Stephen King mm. said, there's no sort of journey for that character. He always, or he already seems like he's about to have a breakdown when he arrives sure. at the Overlook. Yeah, <laughs> it's, true. it's true. But enough about The Shining itself. This is yeah. the adaptation of it. This is the sequel to The Shining. You know, and Stephen King wrote his book, Doctor Sleep, to be a sequel to his book, The Shining. 
So it's kind of, when he wrote Dr. Sleep, he ignored what Kubrick had done with the film. Now, this causes a problem because as Mike Flanagan pointed out, and correctly, people are familiar with Kubrick's film, not Stephen King's miniseries that he did to try and redress the balance. So you've got to like include the Overlook, which burned down in the book, which isn't in the Dr. Sleep novel. So you've got to twist it. You've got to start cannibalizing bits of pieces, moving bits around in an attempt to try and basically appease two dueling viewpoints to two contradictory source materials now this is nightmarish in and of itself you know and mike flanagan don't get me wrong he is a very good director it was worth a try it really was you know but to do a faithful adaptation of a stephen king novel is difficult to try and prove yourself a worthy successor to stanley kubrick is incredibly difficult yeah. and ultimately what you end up with here is a conflicted and erratic sequel that was just it was doomed before it even started i don't blame mike flanagan for it this project was in trouble from the get-go Okay, so I've I've got a nice overview of you know the the story behind it. it does sound hard, you know. I, yeah, you can see how it could be a disaster as well. But Aussie, just how how is it? You know, this is sort of a, a horror film. Are we saying you know if you had to put it in a genre, it would be like horror thriller, mild mild yeah, horror. Yeah, you know, like mild suspense. Mild yeah, peril, <laughs> a little bit of danger. Uh, like so so how does it? You know, is it is it scary in bits? Is it you know what what's it? Well, I mean, sort of. You, know, you got a little kids who people are trying to kill it's always a bit perilous isn't it when someone's trying to kill a five-year-old it's not an easy uh, watch is it <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't sound good at all <laughs> yeah. i mean to, like so i mean dave made some really good points which you know i can't even comment on so i've never actually seen the shining right so i'm looking at this as a film in its own right yeah yeah cool yeah, yeah. and it there's a whole host of uh assumed knowledge of the previous film, sure. yeah, you know, yeah. and um, so for a, for a lot of it, you're like, what the fuck's going on? Like, it's not, there's no, and I, and, and I don't necessarily blame uh, it for this, you know, you don't want to waste a whole host of time firing up backstory for something where there's a, you know, there's a two and a half hour film previous to watch to uh, to get that backstory. So, so I can't begrudge it that. But, you know, I'm aware of, the look of The Shining. I'm aware of, you know, famous clips of The Shining. And and if you're going to think of it as a sequel or, you know, of anything to even capture that, I don't, completely different. Like, this is a bit like a, I feel like they must have got the same editor as like Twilight in terms of uh, the coloring. <laughs> what? It's all like, <laughs> oh, oh, it's just like watching, nah, like, it's all, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like blues and greys and it's just like Oof. it's like I'm in a vampire novel you know it's just it was like that it was it, for me it, I didn't think it wasn't scary but because I hadn't seen The Shining it doesn't necessarily stand up on its own as being amazing because I don't care about him as a character from this so I've got no affinity to him and um, yeah, I just I don't know I didn't really feel I, I never really got invested with it and I don't know whether that's because I knew I was going into this as the prosecution so mm, sure. I had to try and find things not to enjoy um, but yeah or it, just never lack really, of... it never really switched me on so I'm going to have to which I feel if... bad about saying because you know you guys say that he's you know an irreverent director but yeah. you know and I like Stephen King so I was hoping that I was going to enjoy it but uh, you know, I didn't actually click on that it was the. Uh, I, I never read the book, this book in particular. So, uh, 
See, do, do you have a sound effect of someone taking a piss on a bonfire? Because that is, it is sizzling right now, honestly. <laughs> Gav, that, you know, uh, I, I was going to say a lot of it, but especially that Twilight thing really cut through, I have to say. Like, you know, you know, if, if Dave would have made that argument, I'd be like, oh, that's actually cutting and I feel a little bit of a bear there. Hey, let's, because let's Ozzy not make made this it. personal. Yeah, because Ozzy made it. Like, the, 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 there's no guarantee that Ozzy actually, A, watched the right we're, film. We're going to assume everyone's watched the, the film at all. <laughs> I'm gonna as George, right I'm gonna assume that everyone's watched the film. <laughs> right, okay. I definitely watched Okay, so Gav, I'd like you to just talk me through, you know, come back on Aussie a little bit there. Yeah. But mainly I want I want to go a little bit more here into like, you know, the set pieces of horror. You know, I know, you know, maybe it, it's a different film to The Shining, but that had obviously some iconic set pieces for horror that have just will never be forgotten. So how does this film, you know, if it's a sequel in any sense, you're going to be wait, you're going to be looking for some sort of elevator scene, right? Or some sort yeah. of, you know, two little girls oh, or something like don't that. Oh, you get that. You get yeah. that in abundance. <laughs> no, um, firstly, like Ozzy's point about not knowing what's going on because you haven't watched the first film, I think that's just completely... It's, it's more my own fault. Than yeah, it's, yeah, it is your own fault, fault, mate. I'm glad you acknowledge it. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I think um, I, I just completely argue with what Dave was saying before about this being a very problematic film and Mike Flanagan having problems trying to blend all these different aspects together because I think he does an absolutely fantastic job. He painstakingly recreates, recreated the set of the Overlook Hotel from blueprints that he actually acquired from the Kubrick estate. Um, some of the scenes are so good that you would actually think they were unused footage from the original. Like, he, he even... Um, the way that, uh, like Ozzy was saying about the editing before, the way that some of the scenes were edited, you have this really grainy sort of 1970s, early 1980s aesthetic to it, which it actually looks like, it, you know, it, it, it was part of the original film. In addition to that, he seamlessly blended new footage with old footage. So he included footage of the car driving um, over the mountain and the aerial shot of the water at the beginning. He included those scenes in, but he touched the up, you know, a bit of a CI rendering. Um he also brought elements of the original film that have been abandoned in Kubrick's adaptation. So Dave mentioned before that in the original novel, the Overlook burns down. So like, what I think Flanagan did an excellent job of is bringing the Overlook into the film, you know, like kind of closing off that chapter that should have been closed off in the film, but doing it here. So the, there's this big climatic ending, which features Danny going into the boiler room and burning the hotel down like the original novel. But I think it works so well because it's it's him finally addressing the ghosts that he's been trying to escape all these years. It's, you know, finally kind of confronting the, the madness that his father succumbed to and recognizing that, you know, it wasn't him. It was the hotel itself. Um, there's also lots of great Easter eggs you mentioned about like nods to other horror films or horror tropes or staples. You know, there's the scene where Danny is interviewed by the um by his for his orderly job. The the doctor's office is the exact same office as Stuart Ullman, the manager of the Overlook Hotel from the original film. The blood elevator scene that you mentioned before, it's the exact same scene. They've just taken that scene from the original because Mike Flanagan was like, how can you recreate that? It's such an iconic mm. scene. So what he did is he just got that original scene, digitally recreated it using the original shot, and he flipped it to make it look like it was from a different perspective. Um, there's lots of recreated shots from the original as well, including the shot of Danny vomiting in the toilet. Um, it's a recreation of the scene where Jack is locked in the pantry, the way it's filmed. Um, the scene where Danny 
backs away from Rose up the stairs. It's in the exact same spot and it's filmed the exact same way from when Wendy is backing up the stairs from Jack when she's uh, terrified and she's swinging the bat. You know, there's even links to other Stephen King works. Danny sees Death Flies, which are linked to John Coffey from The Green Mile. There were phrases that are lifted directly from the Dark Tower series. There's a map of destinations that the True Not have visited, which include Jerusalem's Lot and Castle Rock. And the projector shot from The Shawshank Redemption is also hinted at as well. And on top of that, there's also nods to other horror films. So there's a scene where Rose gives flowers to a child at a riverbed before essentially taking her essence or murdering the child, which is a direct homage to Frankenstein. There's also the mirror from the film Oculus is seen in the gold room of the Overlook Hotel. There's just so much here for not just fans of the book, fans of the original film, but just fans for horror in general. It's I think it's just a fantastic piece of work. Ooh, okay, fiery lit. Well done, Gav. Um, Dave, mm. uh, I, I'd, I'd sort of like to come into more like specific, maybe cast and characters now. So maybe sort of talk about, you know, the especially I think Danny Torrance himself. That's quite an interesting. You know, it's an interesting character for Stephen King to have gone to revisit again. Mm-hmm. Especially because I mean, the boy's not a really big part of the first one. I thought it was interesting. He just did that. So how is that story sort of retold here? Is it effective? Is it you know? Especially, I keep coming back to this, you know, this thing about being Dr. Sleep. That's his thing that he, hmm. like, how how is that done in the film? Like, uh, his actual job of... Well, obviously, he's, he's just an orderly. He yeah. works the night shift. Um, and, he, yeah, he he eases people. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't kill them or anything like yeah, that. No, he yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He doesn't ease their passing in that sense. But he reassures them. And through The Shining, you know, he can, like, convey an emotion or a feeling to them. So it's done. It's, they're quite sweet scenes, to be honest with you. They're not particularly dark or anything like that they're not unsettling to watch um he, like he, he deals with uh terminally ill patients you know there's a cat as well which i think is in the book as well uh, as he you know short for Azrael, angel of death uh based on an actual cat which did used to go into the rooms of uh terminally ill patients and wait on the end of their bed so the cat's there as well and basically he goes to see these terminally ill patients they're all concerned about the fact their time is nigh um and he just he, he puts them at ease he's like you know we don't end we don't cease you know because a lot of them have religion and they're like oh i'm not afraid of going to hell i'm just afraid of you know there being nothingness and it's like you know we don't cease you know we don't stop being you know it's just like going to sleep and it is that the nice reassuring scenes you know they're not unsettling at all which wasn't the intention at all you know it's just it's very peaceful um you know he's doing a good service for people in their hour of need so yeah those scenes are fine there's only i think there's two scenes in the film uh they're quite brief to be honest with you, it's long enough that you understand that one of them calls him Doctor Sleep, and you get, oh, that's why the film is what it is. Uh, they don't dwell on it too long, though, you know. They're, but they're they're fine scenes for what they are. Um, you were asking about horror as well. Did you want to know? Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. Cast, what, do, what, what do you want to hear about? I, I, I well, just stuff. just is it scary? Like, are you like you know? Are, is it especially because it's a sequel to The Shining? Am I expecting to be as scared as I was in that? Um, probably not. No, it's it can be unsettling it's not scary insofar there are no jump scares um which there weren't really in the shining you mm. got the one with the the axe hitting scatman crothers and, and what have you and there's a couple of like minor jump scares but he, he avoided it's a deliberate thing to avoid jump scares that's not the kind of horror he wanted to create um so it's not scary in that sense it can be unsettling it can be unnerving it can be disturbing um but i'd say that's about as far as it goes other than that it is more like a thriller like Austin said, I wouldn't say it's really rooted in horror. It's more of a, a supernatural thriller. The entire 
thing. Yeah, isn't it? you know, it's, it's a just... supernatural thriller first and foremost. I think. Yeah. Uh, so um, a description of it is like a psychological thriller with touches of terror. Um, yeah, with, but with like energy vampires or whatever you call them. You know, the true not like sapping kids' essences and what have you. Um, yeah, and they're very strange. The true not. I mean, obviously they're your, they, but this kind of cult. They're your bad guys. They're the guys, you know, if there is no horror, if there is no, like, terror and surprise, they're the ones who should be creating this unsettling atmosphere. And I feel uh, they missed a trick with the true knot. Obviously, I meant to have been around for, in some cases, centuries. I think uh, Grandpa Flick, who's the oldest of the true knot, was supposed to be around for about a millennia. Um, you know, these are people that have, like, extended their life um, through through basically killing killing children in a sense essentially these should be very sinister characters and we should know a bit more about them and about where they've come from like you notice um one of them carries like an old smith and wesson revolver so it's like it implies that maybe he was around in times of, of the mm. western frontier so it's like okay i can go with that but it's never really explored you don't know how how old these people are. You know, when Grandpa Flick is dying, they say, "Oh, you watch gladiators in the Roman Colosseum," and it's like it's a little on the nose. But it's like, but you know, maybe. But it's, it's it, they don't go into any great depth about these characters, where they've come from, what is their motivation, why they are the way they are. And I think they missed the trick. The true knot could have been fascinating. It really could have been something worth looking into. And they could have done more with their fashion, you know. They, they could have taken bits of their history, you know. They, they've been around for centuries. You know, they, they they essentially look like they've been following the Grateful Dead on the road for the last 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They look like they got lost coming back from Woodstock. <laughs> Just kind of, and, and I think there was a big opportunity there to really create uh, a cult that people could be terrified of. It's really, this is your villain. You know, this is this is what the driving force. This is what Danny's up against, and they're just not that scary. Like I say, they just look like disheveled roadies, and <laughs> I feel that was a massive missed opportunity. That is a serious problem in the film, Gav. If you've got you got a good horror, you got everything that's working for you, and if you haven't got a good antagonist, what's the, the point in any of a, it? A Jerry Garcia t-shirt would, have, would not have been a mess amongst yeah, the, yeah, uh, the that, two. That doesn't sound scary at all. Like, yeah. I'd, I'd, I would, well, for firstly, I'd agree with Dave when he says that it's not a true horror film. It is more like that sort of like psychological thriller with horrific elements in it. Um, it it's more like, because when you watch The Shining back, I wouldn't say that The Shining is particularly scary. I wouldn't say that I was like, but then again, I'm not a good judge of character for these types of things. Um, yeah, you, you don't know, man. I mean, The Shining is scary. But, <laughs> do you but, know but, but don't you think it's more <laughs> it's sort of like... Generally, <laughs> is, is, generally is helps like be a scary though? film. Is, is it like a, it's a creeping horror? You know, like it doesn't come... It's not, not like sort not of the it old starts. woman in the... in What's the room called? 217 or whatever? 237. Yeah, that's just straight up terrifying. But I think this, but this tries to recreate sort of that with that sort of like creeping uh, horror. It's not so, as Dave said, there's no sort of jump scares. Um, I massively disagree with Dave's summary of the true knock gang there. I, 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 if you look closely, and one of the things I actually quite liked about it was their fashion. It was the fact that these people have been around for so long. So if you look at the clothes that they're wearing, the different elements from different time periods, it's almost like they've kind of picked and choose, you know, like what they liked from those different elements. So like they essentially look like Aussie on a Sunday afternoon going for a walk. You know, like there's a little bit of Victorian garb in there. There's a little bit of 1970s. There's, you know, and um, 
and just imagine I'm, Aussie with like a rough Elizabethan yeah, rough yeah. <laughs> but um, so Aussie were you going to say something there sorry yeah yeah well, I was just going to say sort of I mean I was going to give you a little bit of a credence and say you know maybe what it is is that Mike Flanagan had a bit of a deal going with the BBC and um, and went down to what the what they do in the shadows um <laughs> vibe so we decided that we'll we'll expand on the true knot in that series instead you know we'll get we'll get a, a my own mini series out of this fuck Stephen King and I'll do it yeah yeah, yeah. On that or maybe just got a, a good deal the same on costume there, departments <laughs> but, but like, I, I would the argue story of the <laughs> I would massively argue that they're not um, terrifying or scary in any way I, I think that like maybe there's a couple of scenes with the true knot where they're just kind of talking about what they want to do in their plan of action. And, you know, like when they kind of realize who Abba is, there's a couple of scenes where they're meeting and talking about like, how are we going to, uh, how are we going to get her? You know, like we need to plan our journey, um, which obviously isn't that scary. But then there's scenes where they <laughs> find children who have got the shining ability and they essentially murder them. There's this scene um it's it's a scene where they find a, a small child played by Jacob Tremblay and um, they basically abduct him. They take him out into the middle of, of, of nowhere, like a, a abandoned building construction site, and they murder him. And it is absolutely terrifying. In, in Mike Flanagan's words, he said it's the most uncomfortable scene that he's ever filmed. It's so vicious. Uh, and I, I don't know how you couldn't say that that was horrific. And I think... Like um, yeah, just to kind of touch on cast and characters a little bit, you, like Rebecca Ferguson, who uh, is essentially the lead. What she plays Rose the Hat, so she's the leader of the True Knot. She is absolutely fantastic because essentially what she's got to do is have. Is, she's playing a similar character to Pennywise the Clown, so is, she's she's essentially stealing children or um, their, their essence or their shining ability, essentially murdering them. But it's like Pennywise, but stripped back. So she doesn't have any of the makeup or the theatrics of Pennywise the Clown, but she still has to maintain that sort of menacing terror uh, without any makeup on, without the theatrics. And the way she does that is absolutely amazing, to be honest. She said that she's not a fan of, of horror because um, she, she gets quite scared of them. She avoids horror films going to horror auditions but she she loved this script so much that she wanted to be in it and you wouldn't be able to tell you'd think by watching this performance she was an absolute natural and she'd been in like several horror films beforehand because she's actually quite menacing oh man uh, you, you you built up there and then just at the end you were like she's actually quite menacing <laughs> <laughs> she, it wasn't as it wasn't a one of your final flourishes i mean she kills a kid that was just menacing that was horrific that's horrific but yeah no sorry i was gonna say something else but i swallowed and then i just thought oh no no <laughs> I, I, I got it man i'm only i'm only yanking your chain yeah he's been through 2020 now and he knows that actually you know that's only quite menacing things yeah 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 everything's changed hasn't it she, it, she, it, she, it, she should come and try and fix my drains and then she'll see what true horror is in Gav's defense that, that the um the it's the threat is what's scary it isn't the actual um it isn't the actual mm. baddies that are scary it's the talking and knowing that what could come you know that's the in his defense so and it depends whether you're into that sort of thing as a, as a horror film is whether you're going to uh think of this as being genuinely scary you know it's threat yeah. yeah the threat okay um 
Right, I want to I want to hear about performances now and how the mm-hmm. and how the actors stack up. Um, I've heard a lot about you know all the different elements. What are they like, like Ozzy? Well, I felt like Obi Wan was probably only picked because he looked like he could well have been the son of a. He's <laughs> <laughs> got the of the characters from The Shining. <laughs> That's probably the only reason he was in there because. I mean, why would you pick him? Why would you pick fucking Robert Langford from? Uh, uh, from the Dan Brown novels, that's his name, isn't it? No, that, that's no, not he's, A, that's not his he's, name. He's B, that's not the character. <laughs> <place. laughs> you, you, you're wrong in many, many different ways, there. Anyway, I knew he was. The, I knew he was in the film. We've, we've not long watched that either. But anyway, I just he's he's a good he's a good factor to to follow him through the story. But I don't know. He's, he's not. Well, he's not I, really. I does, he doesn't do a lot of horror, does he? So how does he? You know, this isn't really his he's thrillers not the and stuff like though, that. He? He's not the horror in this, I guess. He's the hero again, and he's always a hero in it, except for the Dan Brown novel. He's just, he's just a nice guy. Yeah. Okay. That you know, he's just a nice guy. Doesn't really do much. Dave, would you agree? Not um, you I, McGregor's miscast. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, if you were looking for someone who looked like he could be the son of Jack Nicholson, you know, you're, you're banging on Christian Slater's door, aren't you? you know, the Achilles wanted a guy that, you know, had a, a decent amount of star pulling power. And he would open that actor. door quick. Yeah. As well. <laughs> he would, he would. He'd be straight to that door. Oh, sorry, Christian. But, you know, so. <laughs> I think you and McGregor... You've done a lot more than me, Christian, if you listen. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Dave. But I think you and McGregor was a fine choice for, uh, for Danny. You know, I think he, he's a decent enough actor. Um, you don't feel like you're watching Danny Torrance, you know, from the original Shining or even from the book. But, you know, he's, he's a watchable performer in any way, shape or form. Um, some of the other recasts of characters from the, the previous film, I feel they went for lookalikes. You know, they have the ghost of Dick Halloran, who previously played by Scatman Crothers. And I feel like they've gone for a lookalike. Um, when the same with Wendy Torrance. Obviously, they've got a few scenes with Danny when he's younger. Uh, so, and Shelley Duval is, is too old to be Wendy now, you know, so they've uh, and retired as well. So they've had to recast Wendy. And again, they've gone for a lookalike. They didn't go for a lookalike when they recast Jack. Now, Jack Torrance, the spirit of Jack, turns up at the Overlook, uh, this time played by Henry Thomas, who is an established actor in his own right. Um, and I feel that's the one they could have maybe tried to go for a lookalike for. You know, the others, fine, the superfluous characters, you might not remember, unless you're really familiar with The Shining, you might not remember Dick Halloran that, that well. You might not remember Wendy that well. You're going to remember Jack Nicholson. You're going to remember him as Jack Torrance. And as much as I like Henry Thomas, he doesn't have that intensity that Jack Nicholson had. You know, he, I feel that they would have done better to shoot that scene, maybe, you know, with a stand-in. You know, you can see him from the back. You've got the, it, it's quite a distinctive haircut. You could have just shot him from behind and had an impersonator do the voice. You know, that would have worked, but no, mm. they have to show him from the front. You see the man's face. It's like, that's not Jack. That's, that's Henry Thomas in a bad wig. That's not mm-hmm. Jack Torrance. Oh, did they put him in a wig? He, I presume it's a wig. Yeah, that won't be his hair, Ooh. surely. It's because it's, it's kind of got long long hair with uh, Jackson yeah, yeah. shining hasn't he yeah no it must be a wig um so yeah he, he's made up to look a bit like janet but he doesn't look anything like him and i feel that the voice isn't there either and it's just like it's an iconic character jack torrance is in the zeitgeist scatman crothers maybe you can get away with that shelly duval maybe you can get away with that but jack torrance is up there that's a tricky one and that's the one really maybe you should have done better to get like a lookalike even if it was an unknown just to get that one right yeah i mean gav yeesh that does not sound good at all 
all right, calm down, mate. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to just goad you a bit. Yeah, come on. <laughs> One thing we've been lacking from you, much like we've been lacking from this, is, you know, a bit of emotion. <laughs> Listen, the, the, the guy, the, the, essentially the definition of lacking is giving me a... a, a anyway, we're moving on. Right? I, feel like you've been, I feel like you've been very hard on Aussie as well. Like, like more Less than on the film. defending <laughs> on the film. You've really been prosecuting Aussie. Yeah, I'm the naughty one of the two of us. You know, where's my comeuppance? No, you'll get it, mate. You'll get it. Uh, so I just want to say, firstly, a little bit about you, McGregor. Um, so... A bit of a tidbit of information. Dan Stevens, Chris Evans, Matt Smith, and Jeremy Renner were all considered and met with the director for the lead role. But it was you, McGregor, who really impressed and was cast based on Stephen King's blessing. He saw the audition and was like, that guy is Danny Torrance. Um, I think that this film does a much better job of rounding out Danny's character. And contrary to what Ozzy said earlier, I think you care about Danny as a character more than you do in this film than you did in the original Shining. Now, the original novel, The Shining, is all about overcoming addiction and childhood trauma, which is handled very well in the original. Dr. Sleep is about the opposite. It's about sobriety and it's about redemption. Danny is a recovering alcoholic. You know, we've seen so many scenes earlier where he's he's really struggling and he's trying to get back onto his feet. And so is Hugh McGregor, which is one of the reasons that he wanted to play this character because he's a recovering alcoholic himself and he used that, he used his own personal experiences to aid his performance. And it's really, really affecting, you know, the steps, the failures and the successes of Danny's recovery are all so believable because they come from Ewan McGregor. Um, you know, when he returns to the Overlook to save Abra and he succumbs to its spells and he's possessed by the evil inside, I think his transformation is brilliant. I mean, I, I know that Ewan McGregor's a good actor anyway, but uh, when he's possessed... He sort of is his own, he's doing his own performance, but there's a bit of an homage to Jack Nicholson's performance in there, which adds the, like an added terror to the scene. Um, and just to kind of go on a little bit about the, Dave mentioned about lookalikes. I, I mean, if you're going to kind of do a, uh, have a returning character from the original, I think it needs to look and sound a, a lot like them. So that's why um, they had Carl Umley as Dick Halloran and they had Alex Esso as uh, Wendy Torrance. You know, both of them did tremendous jobs. Alex Esso especially was so good at playing Wendy that even Shelley Duvall probably would have been fooled. Um I think if you're going to bring those characters back, they need to resemble them. The thing with, when I first watched it, I had the same feelings as Dave a little bit. I was like, what, you know, what, why have they got Henry Torrance doing Jack Nicholson impression? You know, and I was a bit put off originally, but as, you know, I continued to watch the film, I got over it. Watching it back again this time, I was thinking more like, well, you know, he's essentially, he's not playing Jack Torrance. His character is called The Bartender, uh, which lets me to believe you know, is it supposed to be like the essence of that character? And then I was thinking more about the original mm. Shining. I was like, so what is the bartender's relationship with Jack with Jack Torrance in the original novel? Is that sort of like a resemblance of somebody that he knew? And I was like, it could have been very easy to, as Dave said, to like shot some behind somebody somebody's shoulder and you never quite see. But I think with this, you you've got that question like is that Jack Torrance you know like is he misremembering who his father was is he like just remembering the the like 
the murderous sort of psychotic villain that his father became and that sort of distorted his own memories of who his father was you know so there's lots of questions like that to consider and um, I think Henry Thomas did a good performance to be honest it wasn't a Jack Nicholson impersonation which it could have easily been and as Dave said if you're going to do that get Christian Slater in you know but <laughs> it, was, it was its own performance which was which was very good um, and yeah just uh, talking about the rest of the cast there's a lot of people who've worked with Mike Flanagan previously uh, you know I won't go through the list but there's a, I'm going to say about like eight nine ten pre actors who've appeared in previous films and I think because they've worked with them before they know what he's like and they feel more comfortable in the roles and that way the roles are more believable or their performances are more believable and there's even a, a cameo from Danny Lloyd the original Danny Torrance who had abandoned acting after The Shining but was persuaded to make a character a cameo in the film after speaking to Mike, uh, Mike Flanagan because he said he felt oh. so you know sort of like up for it after speaking to him and he's like yeah you know what yeah I will so, you know, oh, if you're nice. able to get him back into the film, then, pff, hey. Fair play to Mike Flanagan. Right, uh, I think I've got enough now, but I would really like some just rounding up comments, just sort of summarise your points. I'm going to start with the prosecution and and then I'll get, because he's on his own there, I'll let Gav end. Uh, <laughs> Dave, can you start us off, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, like I say, this was ill-fated from the get-go. I don't blame Mike Flanagan for this at all. He was dealing with two contradictory sources, two dueling sources. This is an incredible challenge to overcome, and I salute him for attempting it. I really do. But unfortunately, he fell short. Uh, you're trying to appease Kubrick purists. You're trying to uh, appease King and his legions of fans at the same time. You know, it's, it's going to be contradictory. It's going to be conflicted. It's going to be a bit of a mess. I think performance wise there were so many opportunities you know Stephen King's books are so lush with character you know they are so rich in character development to ha end up with two-dimensional bad guys I think is unforgivable especially when they are so fascinating when there's re a real story that could have been pursued there and I think you know you McGregor same sort of story Danny Torrance of course the character is going to develop you know when we first saw him in The Shining he was what five seven eight something around that mark you know he was he was into chatting to his finger and, and bouncing <laughs> you know of course there's going to be character development he's a, he's a grown man now I'd like to I have think... seen that it's a character arc with his finger does it, <laughs> <laughs> does it come back in does he save himself with a ball bounce <laughs> he does. He does. Um, he does have a, a seizure at one point, and he he cries out for to Tony for help. That's the only reference to Tony in his finger, though. But he does it. have a little tricycle that he goes around in. Always takes the stairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no. In short, you know, it it was a good effort. This really was a good effort because I do think Doctor Sleep could be adapted into a decent uh, film, but unfortunately, it's just fallen short because of problems beyond the producers or director's scope. Okay, thanks, Dave. Ozzy, anything to add to that? I think not having seen The Shining, a lot of the film was wasted on me, so it felt quite boring. So I was nitpicking at bits that are like, like the colours. Like one thing I enjoyed is the sound was nice. There's a lot of empty space, which adds to the foreboding. But genuinely, if you've, you know, if if you've got a real, uh, I think you need to have watched The Shining at least once. You need to, I get the impression from any research I did is that if you read the book and only the book, you're not going to enjoy this whatsoever. Um, because like Dave says, you're onto a hiding for nothing. If you're trying to marry up a well-loved book and a well-loved film to do a sequel to, you know, to either, you, you're not going to please anyone. And um, based on just my viewing of the film, the, the, the sequel on its own, 
I don't think you're going to please too many people. It's it's fairly boring. I think it's because you need to know the characters coming into it. There's definitely glimmers of hope. Um, it could have been, you know, it could have been really good. It could have been really good on its own, right? But um, as a film on its own, it just, it was, you know, I think I did myself and it a disservice by not watching The Shining first because it was just wasted on me, really. Sure. Gav, I, I saw some of those really landed with you there. <laughs> 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 as as Ozzy was saying that, especially boring. I saw that I saw that particularly stung. So uh, thank you, Ozzy. I just got like a really sharp pain in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like I'm, to, glad, I'm glad I'm at least, you know, 1,000 1, metres away from <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No. I, I disagree with what Dave said. This film does not fall short. This falls long. This falls Shelley long. <laughs> <laughs> this falls well Shelley long. The mark. They, they were aiming for one piece here, and Dave thinks they hit it. They didn't go far enough. Dave really thinks they've long. gone way too, oh, too no, far. It's, gone, it's, it's hit the mark. Hit the mark. Now, Stephen King famously hated the Kubrick version of the film, even as recently as 2014, when he called it like a big, beautiful Cadillac with no engine inside it. But after reading the script of this film, he said, I read the script very, very carefully. And I said to myself, everything that I have ever disliked about the Kubrick version of The Shining is redeemed for me right here. Now, if Mike Flanagan can make a film that not only reconciles the two stories of both The Shining novel and also the movie, but also helps Stephen King thaw his intense hatred for <laughs> the movie that he must have done something right. In conclusion, whether you're a fan of the original novel, the sequel novel, the Shining movie, or horror in general, you're really going to love this film. All right, guys, thanks very much. That was uh, that's 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 very good stuff. Okay, uh, I, I do think I've, I've I've got enough to be thinking on as I'm uh, in the back of my mind thinking it through and coming to my final judgment. And it will be final. I've got a quiz that I'd like us to to go through, and it's I haven't I haven't come up with a snappy name. I will leave this to Gav. It's basically it's quotes by Ewan McGregor, and I'm going to read out a quote, and I would like you to name the film that it's from. Okay, I've tried some of them, some of them are hard, so I've tried to put in a little clue into it's either a very famous quote or I've put a little a, a clue in the actual quote itself. Is one of my favourite ones. I'm not going to do the accent. Some hate the English. I don't. They're Trans- just wankers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to... I've started, so I'll finish. <laughs> we, on the other hand, are colonised by wankers. Can't even find a decent culture to be colonised by. One of my favourite quotes. That. Yeah, and Aussie, you get it. Uh, train spotting. Next one, two words. Hello there. Um, that big fish? Star Wars. Aussie on it with wow. two points. Mm. Hello there. Um, I think Joe would have got that one instantly. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, next one. Why does my heart cry? Feelings I can't fight. You're free to leave me, but just don't deceive me. And please believe me when I say I love you. Moulin Rouge. Well done, Dave. It is Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Wasn't going to sing it. A broken <laughs> clock is right two times a day, mon ami, but this is not one of those times. Is that awesome? Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, oh, Dave. Wow. Yeah. Two for Dave, two for Ozzy. Come on, Gav. You're yet to get on the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> I am factoring this into my decision as well, Gav. So you might want to. Yeah. <laughs> you might sort of want to just. Try him um, on Christian Slater quote. Do you know my original <laughs> idea for a, a quiz, which I didn't have time to do, which I think I would have scored a hell of a lot better on, was um, did you McGregor get his bum out in this film? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Doesn't he, didn't you say he gets his bum out quite a lot? He loves getting film. his bum out. Even Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Love getting them no. 
Well, Matthew Mahoney takes it a bit too far at times, don't say that, don't <laughs> me, as, as we all know. Uh, when things get tricky in my life, I talk to my fish. Big fish. Big fish, yeah. Down with love. Clue um, in the title. Clue in the quote. Wait, let's say it again. And it's not when fish. things get tricky in my life, I talk to my fish. A life less ordinary. I talk to my fish. Fish. Uh, I know the fish. word. Oh, um, oh, Come on, you can you can get ahead. Do Simon it, Aussie. Fishing. Salmon the... fishing in the yes. Yes, yes. I'm giving it to Aussie because he uh, looked at his DVDs. It's salmon fishing <laughs> in the Yemen. I said in the Yeti, so I wouldn't have even done <laughs> <laughs> Totally fishing, different film. Salmon fishing totally with, with a Yeti <laughs> in the Yeti. Uh, Next one. Uh, even if sometimes I don't know who you are, I love you. Black Hawk Down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you a point, Gav. You're on the scoreboard just because you made me laugh. <laughs> is, um, is that one big fish? Even if sometimes... I'm just going to keep saying big fish. Or big fish. <laughs> You'll get there in event eventually, yeah. Dave, to be fair. <laughs> even if sometimes I don't know who you are, I love you. Um, I need a poop. I love you, Philip Morris. That one oh, was. Of course, I love you, Philip Morris. Okay. Um, did you ever think that maybe you're not too big, but maybe this town is just too small? Big fish. Well done, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Dave. Fantastic. Spot that would have been heartbreaking if one of you other two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think at the moment it's three for Dave, three for Ozzy, and uh, one un, un point for uh, for Gav. Yeah, at it the wasn't moment. even a real point. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, don't worry, Simo. I've lost more this week than a bloody trumpet. Simo. Um, it's it. Oh, oh, brassed off. Fucking hell, Gav. Well yeah. done. I thought that was the hardest one in this. Okay. And the last one. So, Gav, you could actually, you could make it tie. This is, this is big. This is big stuff. Three-way. Uh, faith... Since we've had a three-way, Gav. Aussie, <laughs> <laughs> another point. It's really hard. Aussie really <laughs> goes in the lead. Well done, Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> Their faith will not protect them from an explosion. Angels and demons. Oh, yeah, Dave gets it. Man. Just at the end. Well done. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that is. Oh, yeah, it's me, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that was the quiz. Good quiz, Alex. Good quiz. Thanks, well done, well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, one of the better ones and one of the ones I've spent like, least time on as well. Like, some of the, <laughs> Billy, like I, I know the worst one I ever did was the Billy Crudup or Billy Fuck Up quiz. And that <laughs> honestly took me about an hour to write. Oh, God. Your first question, but... name another Billy Crudup thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, oh, I've got eight more. <laughs> Got eight more of these. Oh god, that's, yeah, that's all the Watchmen episode. If I don't, want to yeah, yeah, to yeah. They have another Billy Crudup film. Oh, that was the. This easy is going to be question. a painful five minutes. <laughs> I know, I know, oh. I know. It wasn't. It wasn't easy. Um, okay, uh, this one have been called you on, you on, you on, you on, you on. Right, a lot to think about there. Um, I could see, I can see why it could be shit. Um, to be honest, because <laughs> I, 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 it seems like it'd be really hard. Like the adaptation side of it, I can just see how it's almost impossible to make. Like Dave and Ozzy were saying, it. You know, you got a film, you got the book that it was based on that people love, then you got a film that it was based on that was quite different than the book, but that people really love. And this is this, this is a film. So it's sort of got to follow that, but then people would also be expecting, then you've got to get Stephen King on. So I can see why it might be impossible to make. 
Um, I did think like what some of what Gav was saying, like talking about the, especially like talking about the different actors. Rebecca Ferguson sounds amazing. I'm actually looking forward to seeing her performance in it. And Ewan McGregor, you know, the fact that he was bringing personal experience to the role was very interesting. Uh, the lookalikes thing that Dave brought up, I'm not going to lie, that was a massive con for me, it, especially Henry Thomas. I'm not saying he's a bad, I'm sure he does a good performance, but it just seems like that would be jarring as you're watching uh, as you're watching the, the film. Is that the Northern Lights book you've got there? Oh, yeah, I do, sorry, yeah. I do sorry. like that book as well. So you, oh, you, no, it, you score sorry, another... you, I don't think you have the chat open. <laughs> <laughs> he's asking a question, oh. I've just asked. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, so... Yeah, just to, to, thinking about it, what I'm going to say is uh, coming to a conclusion, it does sound really hard to do, but I am interested in seeing how they do it. I, I quite like, if I'm honest, that they've gone for it. They've, they, they're they not just what, what I thought they would be doing here is just using names. So like just using Danny Torrance and having a little bit of just like a cheap cash in on the first film and then... Uh, just making this one and sort of making people go to it. But it does sound like they've gone for an actual tie-in. And it actually sounds like they've gone for the same tone as the book. I love the book because it was quite different to The Shining. And if it's got a different tone to it, then great. So I can see very much why this might not be a good film. But I think just for bravery, for Mike Flanagan, I'm going to put it on the hit list because I, I think I think they went for it. And they didn't shy away from doing something that was very tricky. And so, yeah, I'm excited to see what they've done. Okay, thank you very much for that decision, Alex. Um, honest opinions. I'm going to start with myself. I, I agree with everything that I said, to be honest. I, I really, really, really liked it. I like the original um, film. I, I think it's it's brilliant. I think it's one of the best films I've made. I really like the Stephen King miniseries as well. I like the novel. Admittedly, the only thing that I don't like because I haven't read it is the Doctor Sleep novel itself. Um, but yeah, I had those same thoughts and fears going into this. Like, oh, how is he going to do this? He's blending like three different elements and bringing them together. But I think he executed it perfectly. I was so satisfied by the end of it. I do agree that Dave and Ozzy made a couple of points, especially about like Henry Thomas, whether he was cast well. But, you know, I, I did... Also, um, I wasn't lying when I was saying I, I did start thinking about like, well, why does he like not look exactly like Jack Nicholson? Why is he not called Jack Torrance in the credits? And then that started getting me thinking about like, oh, maybe it is like the, the vision of his, his father. It's it's changed, and yeah, I, I agree with everything I said. To be honest, I really enjoyed it, and I think I, I think you're gonna like it as well. Did Did you not think that was a bit weird though? Because all of the other ghosts were just his family like definitely his family and then that one was ambiguous it just felt a bit odd well, like, well, not knowing the other one the, it was like because the, the, the only other ghost that he sees that were the only other friendly ghost he interacts with is the ghost of uh, Casper. Dick Halloran oh. <laughs> and Casper <laughs> um, but Dick Halloran was, was a kind presence wasn't he so you know he's going to have happy memories of him whereas his father like the last he saw of his father he, he'd become this murderous maniac yeah. 
you know, so I think the vision, the memory of his father has been distorted by the Overlook Hotel, which made me think that maybe that's the reason that they didn't go for somebody who looked exactly like Jack Nicholson or they didn't do camera trickery or like de-aging or anything. You know, it is essentially just like somebody who resembles him a bit and you're like, is that him? You know, like why isn't he listed as Jack Torrance? Why, you know, you have all these questions and I think, I think that's maybe what they were trying to get at. Maybe that's just me stretching, but that's why I thought the second time I watched it. But anyway, um, I'll see what do you think. I was a bit mean. I tried to be as uh, level as possible, and I, and I genuinely do think that not having watched the first um, made it more difficult to to enjoy. Um, mm. But I, th- I think I think I would. You know, it's going to make me go back and watch the first, to then you know piece together and go, oh yeah, actually that's good. So I'd say it's good. It, I'd say it's it's on the right list based on that alone, you know. And it had me hooked straight off with um, the Berlioz uh, theme, like you know, I love Symphony Fantastic. So it's uh, <laughs> straight in there. It's like, You'll oh, love yeah, the shining. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's it's got me uh, got me hooked. You know what I mean? I, I love a good uh, a good a bit, a good bit of that. It's one of my favourites. So it was, I was I thought it was quite good. Um, there's yeah, but it, it was lost on me a little bit because of not knowing the um, the original. Okay, thanks, Ozzy. And Dave? Um, I stand by my statement that this was a very problematic project. This was a hell of a challenge. Uh, And the reason I drove that point home is just how impressed I am Hmm. with how Mike Flanagan tackled it. He did a stellar job of blending, you know, enough for the Kubrick fans, enough for Stephen King and for his fans. Sensational job, it really was. You know, the film itself may not win any awards. It may not, you know, appear on the list of even the top 10 best Stephen King adaptations. But in terms of doing what people would have thought was nigh impossible, yeah, he came so close to not not just pulling it off. He pulls it off big time. You know, he like Gav says, you know, he shoots long on this one, and it, <laughs> it, it's worth doing. You know, it. But he's uh, he's he's done a great job, a genuinely great job. He ta- he tampered with the script a bit as well. I think Ewan McGregor was great casting, not only because he could relate to Danny Torrance because of the alcoholism side that he he's battled himself, but also he's a very good actor and he got into the heart of this and I actually didn't mind Henry Thomas to be honest with you you know when you look at Henry Thomas's performance okay he can't help his face you know he doesn't look like Jack Nicholson um, but his mannerisms now that he can do and his mannerisms are very Jack Torrance you know slamming his hand on the bar little things in the way he moves the way he holds his hands Henry Thomas studied Jack Nicholson you can tell from that performance and he gave it everything he got just for those few few minutes of screen time to emulate Jack Torrance and you know what Henry Thomas did a great job great casting great script really well shot I loved it oh wow well I'm glad I'm very glad if I'd put it on the shit list I'm so happy you <laughs> ignored me I'd have been extremely upset at this point <laughs> Okay, so higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which on Rotten Tomatoes, Thor scored 77 critical and 76 audience. That's too high for Thor, isn't it? Come on. I don't want to rehash last week. (laughs) Stop rehashing. We've already hashed. Uh, From what you said, I mean, well, I'm going to say lower, but not a lot, like in the 70s somewhere. I'm going to say higher. I think the fans really will get behind Mike Flanagan on this one. So I'm going to hope it's higher. I think lower. I think that the Marvel fanboys will keep mm. Marvel, you know, any Marvel film high. And I think that people who are going to be into this or who would go to watch this are going to be so much more opinionated about the original material. Sure. I think it'll be lower and it'll probably be artificially low because of people saying it wasn't the book. 
or it wasn't the Kubrick film. film. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, a very, very good idea, to be honest, does he? Um, but I'm going to shoot all over and say the date's right. <laughs> um, it's 78% critical, so oh, only yeah. 1% higher, but 89 uh, audience score. Yeah, um, it's very well received. Okay, so our next film has been pulled out of the hat at random, and I forgot to mention at the beginning of this episode, apologies, that uh, we're going to be doing themed months from now on. So today was our first edition of our Stephen King themed month, which means next week... Rolls off the tongue. (laughs) I know, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Rolls off my big tongue. Um, uh, Oh, God, Ozzy, stop stop looking at me like that. Um, uh, So next week, we're going to be putting the Green Mile on trial. And the roles have also been picked out of the hat at random. So in defense of the Green Mile, it's going to be Dave. In prosecution, it's going to be myself and Alex. And that means the judge is going to be Aussie. So yeah, thank you very much, guys. Very good episode. And thank you very much, everyone who's listened. I really do appreciate it. If you have liked this episode, why not leave us a nice five-star review? on Apple Podcasts. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and check us out on all the social media at Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. So that is it. Dr. Sleep is a hit, and we're going to be directly in your ears next week with The Green Mile. Goodbye. Is that quite loud? I'm not even like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what you like on the podcast. I, 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 I really base the Martians from Mars attacks on it. <laughs> <laughs>